G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap, a fantastic Weekend Wrap this weekend with a massive win over the Doggies. Let's not mess around, let's get straight into it, shall we? Good evening everyone and welcome to the Weekend Wrap this Sunday the 24th of April. Thanks everyone for joining us and thanks of course to my two cohorts, my partners in crime, Nikki, how are you? <laughs> Very surprised after yesterday. Wasn't a bad effort, was it? And uh, Macca, how are you going, Mac? It's been a good weekend. Certainly has, Very- certainly has. And, uh, of course, you know, we've got to give a little bit of a shout-out to Channel 7, um, you know, because it's probably a real challenge to their ratings uh, tonight with the uh, Melbourne-Richmond game that Crowcast is actually going up against them. So uh, sorry for the drop in uh, audience numbers. And you could tell in the crowd, actually, that um, uh, there are a few less than what would normally uh, what would normally turn up to a Melbourne-Richmond game. And I put that down to uh, the scheduling of Crowcast tonight. What do you reckon? Sounds yeah, pretty reasonable, thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks yeah, to everyone. Pip- <laughs> Go on. I was just going to say, pity, pity that Macca and I both have it on in the background. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got it on in the background too, but let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> look, thanks to everyone who's joined us on uh, Discord and thanks to everyone who's joined us on YouTube and uh, who's listening to us also uh, live audio on Spreaker, and of course those who will listen to it uh, later. <laughs> so thanks to everyone for listening. Basically, um, by goodness me, what a game! Absolute ripper of a game. Fantastic result. Uh, graveyard there in Ballarat. Uh, the weather was probably as kind as, as it was going to be, um, but uh, an honourable loss would have suited me fine. But to get up like that was. Uh, just a very uh, big statement, I think, on the uh, development path of the Crows at the moment. Yeah, I have to say that, honestly, it's one of those situations where uh, gets, the expression gets used very loosely, but all played well. Everybody contributed. I can't think of a player that did not contribute. And that's Agreed, two weeks in a row. Yes, that's very true, Nick. And two weeks in a row where we've been headed... Um, at a key point in the game and being able to regroup and uh, and come away with a win. And uh, not against shitty sides either, against good sides. Um, and we're seeing, you know, Richmond, I haven't watched it in the last 10 minutes or so, but Richmond putting up a good effort against the Premiers. They're no easy beats. And the Bulldogs last year's grand finalists, um, just a fantastic achievement by the club. Well, it is outstanding because we're actually building culture at the moment. You can see the culture is that um, we're, we're happy to brawl and, and fight it out. And uh, in time, that will develop with um, some refinements in the game. But we, we, we really do like the game to be uh, a scrappy, hard-fought game. 
because all of our players are putting in. And that's not necessarily the case for the opposition. And um, they had a couple of weaknesses out there. And as I said, I couldn't pick one Crows player that let us down. And, uh, you know, it was a narrow game, yeah, a narrow win, yes. But, you know, they're supposed to be a very, very good side. They fancy themselves for a flag. And uh, we're coming from being near the bottom. But uh, so proud of the boys. They, and so and I think Nick's is really on the right path with, with how he's got them playing. Agreed, Mac. Uh, that's the equivalent of beating Geelong at uh, GMHBA, in my opinion, beating the Dogs yep. at Ballarat. Um, Absolutely. Shitty ground, uh, small, windy, uh, parochial crowd, although Ballarat traditionally has been a bit of a crow's home away from home, uh, given the historical uh, trip uh, that we used to make down there, uh, halfway mark, the Ballarat halfway mark to a, a Victorian game. But uh, nonetheless... Uh, just a fantastic win. Look, uh, lots to get onto tonight. Um, so, Mac, let's have a look at the other games for the round, shall we? Yep. All right. All right. Um, okay. So, first game of the round I thought was a little bit disappointing. And I have, it's so disappointing I didn't even get the slide right. <laughs> uh-huh. Um but uh, yeah, we've got um, St Kilda ten seventeen seventy seven to the Giants eight twelve sixty. That should read St Kilda by seventeen points, and yeah. uh, a good win by the Saints. But God damn, what's going on with the Giants? It was actually the exact uh, thing I've got written down here. A good win by the Saints, uh, the, and you got to take into account too that they lost Hayes and uh, early in the second quarter. And Marshall had a quad, uh, and he could barely run it. So Priest was dominating in the rucks. But um, uh, look, it wasn't pretty football. It was more of a slog. But St Kilda, uh, they had Higgins up forward, who sharked, and he got four goals. Mac, uh, is it, they've got which king have they got? They got Max King, I think. Yeah. Um, he actually could have uh, made it a lot easier, but he did kick one goal seven. Um, but. Uh, Cutting it short, I thought that Steele and Crouch, and Crouch is playing very good footy for them. Uh, they were very good for the, for the Saints, and uh, Ward and Proof for GWS. Um, that leaves the Saints at 5-1 and the Giants at 1-5, and it's yeah. not looking good for Leon Cameron. No, not at all. Uh, the next looking game... forward to playing them next week. Yeah, well, it'll be a good game, I think. Uh, next round, next game, unfortunately, West Coast just couldn't uh, get up for this game. It's, I think it's the first time... They've lost at Adelaide Oval for a while, and they went down and screaming, "Hey, Port eighteen nine one one seven to the Eagles four nine thirty three, a margin there of eighty four points. Uh, Port will take the win. I didn't think they looked that good early. Uh, they seemed to hit their straps a little bit as West Coast fell away, um, you know, in the back half of the game. But uh, nothing much to take away for Port on that one. I don't think. No, they'll take well, I'll take four points, and that's about it. I mean, yeah. you know. Very, very depleted, listless uh, West Coast. I mean, things haven't got right, gone right for them all season. Um, and, you know, they, they look, after quarter time, it looked like they were playing the cool bird under 14s, really. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, when, when Finlayson and Marshall can get five goals each, well, that tells you about the opposition, in my opinion. Uh, I think the highlight, I thought, just watching the game, was uh, Rosie. Uh, they put him in the middle. I don't know why they haven't been doing it before. And I, I thought he started and was best on ground, so... 
Yeah, actually, their midfield at Wines, Houston, Boat, they all dominated, so that's enough yeah. for Port. Yeah. Houston be about just about their best player at the moment, I reckon. Most reliable player, don't you reckon? He's a rip of a player because he can play down back, he can play on in on the ball, and he gets plenty of yeah. it every time. Yeah. Don't mind him as a player at all. Uh, all right. Um, the Dockers making a bit of a statement here. Uh, the Dockers 14-13-97, 35-point winners over Carlton 9-8-62. Now, it was admittedly at their home deck, but uh, that's a solid win by Fremantle. They're a side on the rise, there's no doubt about it. Um, where they're at, you know, we'll find out as the season goes on, but uh, they're sitting at 6-1, and, uh, sorry, 5-1, and, which is a pretty good spot to be at this stage of the game. Um, first quarter, um, I thought Carlton had a slight edge, mainly through Cripps and Hewitt in the middle. But after that, I thought that, uh, well, Creo did win every quarter after that, and again, after half-time, the Blues, don't, they don't do much after half-time. They, they remember last week, they just about blew it against Port Adelaide, and yep. I thought they were pretty poor after halftime. Uh, again, I, I was really impressed by Freo. They've got, they've got a lot of young players on the rise, and um, Brayshaw has developed into a very, very good midfielder. Yeah, he uh, has. And uh, they've got Brody as a gift from the Gold Coast, and he's been terrific for them as well. Uh, for the Blues... Yeah, Grips, Walsh, that's about it. Yeah. Um, just tailing off after a little bit of a new uh, new coach bounce there, um, but uh, we'll see how they progress. Um, Geelong today, 17-19, 121, far too strong for North Melbourne, 9-7-61, 60-point winners there. And, uh, yeah, North on the struggle. After, after a few promising signs, they're on the struggle, aren't they? Well, I thought it was going to be a one-sided game, but I didn't think it was going to be as one-sided as that. Um, uh, you know, I'm not going to waste too much time on the game, really, because no. it's not worth talking about. It was horrible to watch. Uh, Cameron got seven goals and Hawkins got four. That's 11 of their, of their what they get, 17 or 16. Um, I'll say this about Jason Horn francis in a team that's getting their, their bum to kick. The, he got 19 disposals, which to me says that the lad can play. And, um, oh, no doubt about that. Well done by him. But uh, the Geelong, uh, Cameron, Guthrie, Tui, and uh, the North Melbourne, really only David Uniac. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you wonder how long um, uh, Jason will uh, tolerate playing in a losing team? <laughs> Well, and, and particularly the way that North play, they play for themselves. They don't play the team. They only it was so annoying to watch that they would like their forwards when the ball got turned over. All they cared about was their man, whether their man got the ball or not. They wouldn't go and back up um, the teammates. They weren't working together as a team. No, and I think they need a new coach. They need a coach that. Um, I don't oh, think it's yeah, coach I, at all, Macca. I know you've got a thing against David Noble. Uh, David Noble's not the problem. It's the it's their personnel that's the problem, mate. But even then, like Nicky said, you can you can still try and play as a team, and they they're just individuals out there. Yeah, but you've got when when you've got a team that is struggling so hard, it, it becomes every man for themselves. You know what it's like. It, every yeah, every bloke right. is just protecting their own patch. Um, because they're not thinking about how to win the game, they're thinking about how to save their own skins. And 
to me, that's where North is at at the moment, and they they just lack personnel, in my opinion. Yeah, and look, the way they're going, they'll get a priority pick at the end of the year. Yeah, undeservedly so, but it'll happen. Um, the Lions, 21-6-132, 52-point winners over the Suns, 11-14-80. Fairly predictable result there. Yeah, Brisbane too classy for a plucky Gold Coast. Uh, 52 points was the margin, but scoring shots were 27-25, to 25, Fiend, and uh, a lot of those uh, shots uh, Gold Coast should have kicked. So I, while they got beaten by 52 points, and... Brisbane and look, Brisbane are, in my opinion, are definitely the second best side at the moment. If you call Melbourne the best side, they're, they're, mm. they're, and you know, and I thought that they worked hard, Gold Coast, but they just haven't got that uh, quality, that definition, no. the ability. That, it's just like I'll give you an example. Rao was their best player, and you know, he's not pretty to watch, but he he gets a job done, and that's yeah. that's about describes Gold Coast, in my opinion. But for yeah. Brisbane, they, they, they Zach Bailey up forward, six goals. And, I mean, yeah, he's played very well. Player. Yeah, going to yeah. be a star. And uh, Jack, yeah, I must mention Jared Lyons. He got 30 disposals and you know, I think 852 metres he gained, Fiend. But we knew he was no good. We got rid of him. <laughs> well, I guess we ended up with Benny Keys after all of that. So all's well that ends well. But, uh, geez, you'd probably like to have both of them, wouldn't you? Would you ever? Anyway. Um, no other games. Uh, the game currently going, uh, Melbourne just starting to hit their straps about 8 16 64. Uh, Richmond 6 4 40. That's about uh, 25 minutes into the third quarter. So, uh, Melbourne on track there. I actually tipped Richmond and they started off fairly brightly, but I don't know whether they've got the uh, just don't know whether they've got enough polish to be able to uh, to stay with Melbourne. I think that you described it well, Fane. It's about polish, and um, and Melbourne have developed that. And uh, North, Jesus, pick that guy up, Paul. Um, but uh, this day's Richmond. I thought they battled very well, but I think the the battle may be get coming to an end. Yeah, I think so. So the ladder, as it stands to date, with a couple of incomplete games. Of course, we've got two games tomorrow. We've got Sydney v. Hawthorne in Tasmania, and then we've got the Anzac Day Clash, um, Collingwood Essendon as well. So two games to go, but as it stands at the moment with Melbourne and Richmond still going, Melbourne on top with 20, along with Frio and Brisbane, you'd expect Melbourne to get to 24 points. Uh, St Kilda also on 20 points. Uh, St Kilda, uh, sorry, Sydney 16 points with a game in hand. Geelong and Carlton also 16 points. Uh, Hawthorne, if they lose tomorrow... By a substantial amount, the Adelaide Crows will be in the eight for the first time in a very long time. <laughs> uh, they're on 12 points, uh, Adelaide on 12 points. Collingwood on eight could also get to 12 points uh, if they beat Essendon and mess up our plans of being in the eight. Uh, Western Bulldogs on eight as well, along with Richmond, who look like staying there along with the Gold Coast. Port Adelaide off the mark, uh, GWS Essendon with a game in hand, West Coast and North all on four points. Just so, to be mentioned, Port Adelaide, they've got a couple of hard games coming up, Fiend. They could yeah. well be, uh, they could be one and seven quite easily. Well, St Kilda next week away is not going to be an easy one for them. Um, mm. And I think we've got, have we got three of our next four at home or something ridiculous like that? 
I think we've got a fairly um, good run of home games coming up. I must admit, I, I couldn't tell you that. Anyway, doesn't matter. We've got GWS next week. and uh, Rosa has confirmed what you said. Yeah, three of the next four at home. So uh, a good chance for us to actually uh, taste a little bit of the top half of the ladder, which would be nice. Um, a GWS next week will be a test for us because it's probably the first game for a little while that we've played in where we will start favourites. Um, playing GWS at home, we wouldn't have started favourites too often in the last 12 months, but we definitely will next week. If at all. I can't remember starting favourites. But uh, it'll be a bit of a test too because um, game starts in the middle and they've got some very quality players in the middle. Um, lacking in the, at both ends a little bit, but um, they're all their good players are mainly concentrated around the middle. Yeah, so, all right, very good. Alrighty, uh, let's move on without any further ado to our game because it was just a fantastic win by the Adelaide Crows, 8-15-63 and I feel like I should have the the Crows song playing in the background here. One point winners over Western Bulldogs, 9 goals, 8-62. Um, a really solid club-defining win, that one. Yep, totally. I totally agree. You with us, Nikki? I am. Ah, she just sits back there. Now, I reckon, this is what I reckon's happened, because I don't want to, let's get the umpiring out of the way right off the bat, because it was a shocker, 22 to 10 or whatever the heck it was. Right? But, but here's, here's what I reckon happened. I reckon that at the umpires meeting during the week, Brad's got it's a they've got a lot of umpires, so it's a fairly big room and I reckon our umpires were at the back of the room. And when Brad Scott said we've got to toughen up on dissent, I think the blokes down the back of the room thought he said uh, unreasonable attempt. Because like where did all those unreasonable attempt for marks go all of a sudden? Where what where? I couldn't believe it. I just could not believe it. I mean, they even had a player run through our 50 and not get penalised. Oh, no, they had two of them. Well, Cody through. Waitman at the end, um, at the end, five minutes to go, that could have been game-defining, that one. That yeah. was a shocker. And he put his hands up, it, it, like saying, oh, shit. You know, like he'd realised what he'd done and everything, and it didn't get paid. I just couldn't believe it. I thought the umpiring was embarrassing for a professional sport. Um, and... Uh, that Brad Scott, to me, is not the person to be in charge of umpires. He's too arrogant. Um, he won't. He's not a moderate person. He won't listen to reason. Um, and him coming out and saying during the week, you know, uh, it's just as simple as the players not arguing with the umpires. Well, it, that's not actually the point. The point is that the umpires just aren't officiating rules consistently. And it's probably because there's just too many bloody rules and interpretations and grey areas, and I've I've said this often enough. Um, but I think in the case, do you know the Western Bulldogs are plus? I think they're plus fifty something in free kicks for the season so far. Not plus yet. fifty they are, something. They are favourites for the umpires. No doubt about that. And they have been for a number of years. Um, you've stolen my cockwomble <laughs> a little bit here, Fee. 
But the problem is that what they've kept doing with the umpiring department is they've put ex-players in charge of it. Now, ex-players have no idea about umpiring. And you see it consistently. Um, so you, they've got three umpires on the ground. And the reason they've now brought in the three umpires was so that they could see the other side of um, the ball ups and things like that. So you're supposed to cover. Um, there's always an umpire all being able to see. Mm. You actually look at them, though, that they're all being told literally to stand in a line. You will find all three of them on exactly the same side. Yeah. Anything can go on at the other, out the other side. You've got people in charge who don't understand umpiring. And you're right. They've made, they've tried to fix some issues they think um, some problems are with the game with these changes in interpretations, not mm. changes in the rule, but changes in interpretations, which goes against what umpires have actually been taught to umpire. And it opens up a lot more grey areas. You're, you're right. And it needs to go back to being actually telling the umpires to umpire correctly. Not try and make a new, yeah, not try and make a new new interpretation because they haven't done it right. I swear, yeah. I, I swear, it's a Victorian affliction that yep. they just they just want to have these grey. I don't know what it is. It's like, oh yeah, you know, that wasn't quite blah blah blah. It you can't have. It's the only sport in the world where a, where a rule is not black and white. You can you can push a little bit, but not too much. You can sort of push him in the back, but not too much. You can um, run within five meters, but not sometimes. You can throw your arms up in descent, but only sometimes. Like yeah, there's absolutely no consistency, and I, I swear it's a Victorian affliction. Uh, did you hear what Eddie Maguire, uh, who's my not uh, Womble nomination, Eddie Maguire? wants to um, make all these changes to the game, including putting six umpires on the ground. Can you imagine six interpretations on the ground at once? What a bloody oh. joke. What a bloody nightmare. Oh, my head is in my hands right now. He is an idiot. Um. Yeah, I wouldn't take too much uh, notice of any of his suggestions here. I mean, he was a guy that said that Cotchin didn't kick him, though the AFL said he did. Yeah. It's just... Um, Look, anyway, I, I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's there for all to see. Um, all the um, all, all people watching that were um, neutrals uh, that I saw in forums and all the rest of it were all just as incredulous as we were. And, yes, we got a ride from the umpires last week against Richmond, but it, it wasn't as blatant as what it was uh, going the other way against Western Bulldogs. To me, yeah. To me, there were efforts to get the Western Bulldogs over the line. Um, whether that was just my perception or not, that's the way it looked to me. And even if that's just the way it looked, it's a bad look for the game, in my opinion. I'll just bring up that the unrealistic attempt, according to the letter of the law, those calls were correct because you have to get your hand on the ball. But where they're lacking umpires that actually have a feel for the game, because in both those situations, as soon as the defender felt the knees on their back, they dropped. So they made the player drop. And so Which is a legitimate tactic. Which is a legitimate tactic. But if you have a feel for the game, yeah. you know they've done that and you know that player as well 
that that is actually a realistic attempt for that player. But I, you know what, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even mind if those decisions were paid if they were always paid. This is my gripe. Yeah. It's just there's too many grey areas, uh, and for mine, there's no such thing as an unrealistic. See this. This rule is a classic attempt to find a solution for a problem that isn't there, right? So they want to stop people from, you know, going up too early and all the rest of it. So they invent a rule called unrealistic attempt. Unrealistic attempt becomes a um, a grey area, right? Because it's subjective. It's a, Surely if someone goes up early and doesn't mark the ball, remember what it used to be in the old days, Macca? There's a flat-out push in the back, wasn't it? Yep, dead shit. If you went up early and you didn't take the mark, it was a push in the back. The end. The rule's already there. The rule is already there. But the Victorian administration, for some reason, just are hell-bent on overcomplicating the situation instead of having a, a neat set of rules that can be applied across the board. And in that circumstance, if you go up early for a mark and you miss the ball... Or even if you just get a bloody fingertip to it, it's just a push in the back. Anyway, that's it for the umpires. I don't want to talk about it anymore, um, but it was a bloody disgrace. Um, Let's move on. on. Um, Look, uh, just before we head into some head-to-heads, I just felt like it was a second week in a row that the coach's box really excelled in terms of coming with a plan and being able to reset when things weren't quite going well because again I thought at times particularly early on um, we looked a little bit like we were chasing uh, dog chasing uh, cars you know Um, and then we restructured up uh, we pushed our forwards up high again we were able to clutter up the middle of the ground and stop the bulldogs from getting any sort of clear run with some good frontal pressure and had the knock-on effect of giving uh, our forward line a little bit more room to work in on that small ground and it you know barring some uh, unfortunate shots at goal and let's blame the wind um, we could have actually been four or five goals up at, at half time um, but I just felt like it was a really good adjustment by Matthew Nix and the, and the team. Yeah, it was because yeah, I was a little bit worried in that first quarter because um, Smith, uh, McRae and Dunkley had all started off like bombs. They had heaps of possessions in that first quarter. And uh, uh, we obviously weren't being quite accountable enough because they were doing it a little bit too easy at time. But, you know, our back line did very well to hold them out. As well. But uh, after quarter time, the uh, Smith... And uh, McRae had very little influence on the game, which is surprising because they're two quality players. Uh, Dunkley, he kept going, um, but you can't, I guess you can't stop them all. But um, I, I, I think what you said is right. We, we did bring our players up high, the half forwards up high, trying to. So if the ball came out loose, because one of the things that the, the Bulldogs like is to be able to shoot the uh, handball out to in the midfield to to players that are sitting out there in the out yep. wide. But uh, but we uh, the way we uh, presented ourselves, we sort of stopped that. Yeah. And also they like to um, turn it over in their defence and they get that nice clear kick out and then run it. 
us. That's how they often break teams. We stopped them doing that. There was so much pressure on those kicks coming out of our forward line that they weren't the clear balls. And so we were able to actually hold it in our forward half quite a bit. Um, it was a really great um, way of like working to counter the way that they attack best. Well, it's exactly what we did against Richmond, Nick. Um, because we didn't overcommit up forward, um, we were able to get some some uh, second inside 50s or some return inside 50s. Um, and at the very least, we were able to shut down their run through the middle of the ground just by having the, the middle third of the ground was the most populated <clears throat> from our perspective. Um, we didn't commit too many down forward and we just had uh, one uh, sort of roaming through halfback. We actually put Chase Jones on uh, Bailey after... Um, yeah, I saw that. It after did a good job. Did a very good job. Did an excellent uh, job. All right, uh, let's look at some head-to-head, shall we? All righty. Let me just get this set up. All right. Now, I've actually had some time today, guys, so I actually uh, set up some nice little graphs. Look at that. Um, all right, let's go through some head-to-heads. Uh, disposal count was 100% even, 365 to 365. Uh, effective disposals, um, 261 to 271. So it was pretty much the same uh, for both sides. Um, contested possession was uh, something that Nix was talking about at the beginning of the game. Um, and it was quite even during the match. But um, our ground ball gets number... Um, was very pleasing, 102 to 97. Our forward 50 ground ball gets was very pleasing, 19 to 10. And that reflects, Nikki, what you were talking about in terms of um, us being able to um, um, uh, keep the ball in that forward half. Um, our ability to work defensively in the forward half was fantastic. Um Where's another one here? Our contested possession losses, uh, only three to five. So when we went for one-on-ones, and I think there were even one-on-ones, contested defensive one-on-ones, 12 each, uh, we only lost three of them. Um, So our defensive half pressure acts, 132 to 177, shows that the Bulldogs were really uh, trying to work in our forward line, but they weren't getting much out of it because, as we said, they weren't able to get that free-flowing transition, Nikki, were they? Nope. It was really delightful to watch. Yeah. Um, and Mark's inside 50 for us was very good, 16 to 8. And you can see from that graph there that uh, after half time, um, we, I think, what was that? That's 13 to 5 after half time. Mark's inside 50. Um, so we were re- really able to clean up our... Um, our entry into forward 50 after half time, um, despite um, uh, the wind being a bit of a factor at times. Uh, yeah, I think those figures also reflect the fact that you were saying before, Ben, about moving the half forward line up, up higher. It sort of gave us space to run into at times. Well, it gives us. Remember how I've been banging on about forward 50 entries and about how we're one possession short? 
I reckon mm. getting those extra players up in that centre third just gives us the option of getting one more possession in, which is giving us the ability to get more depth into our forward 50 entries. Yeah, that's, that's the way I'm seeing it. Um, inside 50s in general, I think we're in our favour, yep, 58 to 43. So um, that's reflected in the scoring shots as well. Um, we had you know, quite a few more scoring shots than they did. Um, and certainly in the second half, our inside 50s, um, after about the 10-minute mark of the second quarter, uh, third quarter, uh, we really had ascendancy. And it probably shows that we should have won by more. Uh, in the end, we had a hell of a lot more opportunities in the second half, um, and Western Bulldogs made the most of their opportunities in the second half. Uh, their efficiency inside forward 50 was uh, far better than us. Um, what else have I got? Oh, uh, hitouts was a major factor, I thought. O'Brien uh, certainly got the better of Stephen Martin, although I, f- I thought in the first quarter he was struggling a little bit, O'Brien. Um, how did you guys see that? Well, if, you know, if O'Brien couldn't have won the ruck this week against Martin, who's about 93 or something like that, he's pretty old, um, and can, he can no longer got the spring in his legs, um, he's actually the perfect ruckman that Rob likes to ruck against. We could just move him, move him off, and even if uh, Rob jumps off the ground six inches, he's higher than him. So um, I thought that Rob absolutely dominated the ruck. Actually, um, the, the the longer the game went on, the more he dominated it. So um, that was his best game. But I don't give him a, that much credit for it. Um, I mean, I give him credit for what he did, but um, it's what probably what he should have done, uh, given. Uh, the ruckman he was rucking again. Um, yeah, I mean, you, can only beat the, you can only beat the bloke that's in front of you, Mac. And he took some very timely marks. Uh, I felt he got better as the game progressed, to be honest with oh, you. He, he was did. more effective in the ruck and became a bit of a force around the ground. So I actually thought he did pretty well, particularly after half time. Yeah, look, no, he actually won him. He won the ruck uh, very well, I thought. But I, what, what I'm really saying is that um, once they had their main ruckman out, um, Martin is not the player he used to be. I no. would have expected him. You would have expected Rob to win it. And yeah. he did it very convincingly. Yeah. And but- Nick, Nick's in his post-match actually talked about how he did have, he didn't say he had a stinker, but he, he did actually, you know, talk about how he wasn't as effective in the first quarter and he, then he really worked himself into the game particularly from the second, and took some really important grabs for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did it translate to clearances? Certainly not in the centre, eight all, eight apiece. Um, so, and that's kind of what I thought. Um, we had some ascendancy at times, but certainly in the second half, I didn't feel like um, there was a lot of ascendancy in terms of clearances. Um, both teams... Had some nice clearances in the second half. One that springs to mind is Sam Berry late, uh, which was very decisive for us. Um, so it didn't really translate. And you can see around the ground, uh, around stoppage, uh, the Bulldogs got on top of us quite substantially, 29 to 38 there. And that was a, a trend throughout the ground. And it just seems to me that... it Well, it seemed to me that we were maybe... We weren't, certainly weren't staying off the ball because we had a lot of frontal pressure going on. 
but I'd, again, it's not this overcommitting that was happening previously. Let's yeah. describe what you mean by that thing. Well, we weren't committing too many at the contest. Oh, sorry, you mean in numbers? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. like how we often get sucked in to the ball. Yeah, we, like, actually, we actually kept a really good structure. Yeah. You're talking about like the beast of the honey thing, yeah. That's it, yeah. Yeah, so they did. They certainly uh, won more out of stoppage, but uh, it didn't uh, amount to anything in particular. Uh, tackles inside 50, 14 to 9, and that, again, relates back to, uh, you know, 14 to 9 tackles inside 50, 19 to 10 forward 50 ground ball gets. Uh, I think it really actually uh, shows... Uh, how intense our forward pressure was and what you were saying earlier, Nikki, about not allowing them free run out of defence in terms of their transition. Yeah, I, I thought our uh, smalls were really terrific with the pressure they put on the, the player going for the ball or with the ball. Yeah. Uh, intercept and, possession. Oh, sorry, go on, Nick. Yeah, I was just going to say that pressure when it was coming at that, you know, the half forward area, it was like Shoal and Cook who are really good um, below their knees and, and nice delivers, deliverers into the forward 50. Yeah. Uh, intercept possession, 79 to 68 in our favour. Intercept marks, 26 to 15 in our favour. Uh, thank you very much to Billy Frampton, and we'll talk about Billy um, shortly. Um, but that was another key feature, in my opinion, the ability of uh, Frampton and Duday um, and Geordie Butts to control the ball in the air. Uh, none of their um, aerial specialists, you know, Norton, etc., really were able to have any impact aerially at all. Um, and most of their scores were sort of... Even Ugo Hagen, who got one early, um, didn't have an impact on the game at all. So um, uh, excellent game by th- all three of our tall defenders, I thought. Yeah, you know, couldn't argue with that. Um, when I was trying to pick best players... It- you're normally looking at all your attacking players and on-ball players, but uh, they're certainly our defenders were certainly around the mark, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I didn't think that uh, Western Bulldogs worked with a lot of system into their forward line, whether that was due to our pressure or... Um, I felt like um, Smith really turned the ball over quite a bit. He was quite wasteful with his disposal. Um, you know, Liberatore was a bit bit Rory Laird-like with his disposal in terms of just kicking and hoping. I didn't think there was a great deal of method for them. Trelaw was probably the one that was trying hardest along with Dunkley. Um, yeah, he he was the most dangerous in that second half. Um, yeah. As you say about Liber, I always got to say Liberace, Liberatory. <laughs> um, he, he was too much, uh, he, he, get, he got the ball quite a lot, but he just bobbed it. I mean, yeah. just put it up there for 50, 50 balls all the time. Yeah. Yep, yeah, always under pressure. Um, so when they were the third quarter, they talk about what an amazing quarter he had, and I'm like, but he did nothing with it. Yeah, they did no impact. A lot of a lot of possessions for not a lot of impact. Um, very, very good point, Nicky. And uh, again, with uncontested possessions, it was all pretty much even, although Western Bulldogs held sway for most of the most of the game. Um, Look, to me, it was just a game of pressure. You know, Knicks wanted to close it up, um, and we did close it up. We closed it up in the in the area of the ground that they're most dangerous, and we opened up the area of the ground where 
at the moment we're most dangerous, which is up forward, and it worked a treat. And our defence held up. I think that's really the tail of the tape. Yep. I, mean, I think we, we did put a lot of pressure on them when they were disposing of the ball and, and as I say, making them kick 50-50 balls. And uh, our defence, I thought, well, they, like everybody, they, they, they really gave their best and uh, uh, I thought we won very handsomely down back. Yeah. Um, the, only, the only other thing that I'd point out is that I feel like um, we've slown out of there the last couple of weeks. It reflects exactly what we've been saying and it's a terrible shame that it's taken an ACL, um, you know, for them to pick Barry, but they had slown out uh, last week anyway out of the midfield rotations. We just look a little bit more dynamic now in that area of the ground than what we did before, don't you think? Yeah, I think we do. Uh, we don't look as slow. Um, I, I think young Barry's done quite well. I mean, he hasn't uh, dominated, but every time he goes round, he'll just improve, and so it's good for him. It's his first game in, Mac. Uh, he played last week. Uh, second game in. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. But what it, what it's also done is what um, both you and I like is that they've put um, Murphy and um, you see a bit more. You didn't get Rochelle the last two weeks, but you've um, Murphy and McHenry up push up higher, yeah, and actually use their speed around the contest as well, just becoming those extra midfielders. And as you've pointed out before, Fain, they're both actually were very good junior um, midfielders. Absolutely yeah, right, I mean, Nick. I mean, all we've ever seen out of Murphy is on a, the old half-forward flank trip. But tell you what, he's not a bad on-baller, actually. He's a very good on-baller. And uh, what I didn't know is he played all his junior football as an on-baller. Yep, and then he came to us as um, in the SNFL. Um, as a top-up player, and we played him on the half-back. <laughs> and then we put him in, he got picked up as a rookie, and we put him in half-forward. Yeah, for God's sake, don't put him in the middle. Well, they they think he's too little. Uh, I thought, you know, he actually's got more pace than I thought he had. and uh, Oh, yeah. And I thought that, uh, some of his dashes uh, where he's running into the forward line, they're very, 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 very good. Because uh, he gets it in there quickly and he's got a nice kick on him as well. So um, I, I like to see him having a run on there. Well, it's made a difference. Uh, even though we didn't win stoppage clearances um, in terms of statistics, there are more than one occasion where um, Lockie Murphy was able to make a difference. And Ned McHenry's another one. Statistically, he didn't have a huge game, Ned McHenry, but his physical pre- presence around the contest is is telling at times. And um, I think it's underrated in terms of the impact that he has on breaking up contests or breaking down uh, clearances from the opposition because he will generally get to the first or second possession out of clearance uh, when the opposition's got the ball, and often he'll break that down. So um, uh, both Murphy and um, McHenry are very good at that, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, just... 
Sorry, I lost my train of thought there, mate. Yeah, you did. <laughs> no, I was, I, yeah, I was going to add in what I also liked was we put McHenry on Daniels and it, he could not get his free run that he likes to and he likes to play off. But McHenry, because he's got that speed, could go with him and he's also strong enough to bring him down or to put the pressure on him. I know what I was going to say. Um, last week, I think it was, uh, McHenry... Um, he made, you know, you look at uh, handballs and kicks. Apparently, he uh, 35 pressure act, um, which was the highest for the team. And I wouldn't mind betting he would have been very high up there again this week. So why a lot of it doesn't translate into uh, handballs or kick for him, it does relate often to handballs and kick for the team. Yep. Um, and, you know, you hope that over time, if they persist with him, and I think that they will. I think he's becoming part of uh, the DNA that Nix is actually trying to develop there in terms of physical impact. Um, but you hope in time he'll be able to add some polish, um, you know, to that aggression and that and that hard attack on the ball. A little bit like uh, what we're starting to see with Chase Jones, where Chase Jones has turned into a bit of a bull down back, um, but his disposal is quite good usually um, by foot. Um, and Jones just needs to, you know, keep building on that composure and, and that polish. Um, He's had two very good ones in a row. Yeah, he has. Um, before we delve too much into the uh, individuals, why don't we just turn on the individual stats and have a look at them, shall we? Um, because uh, I want to have a look at Ben Keyes, first of all. Um, ben Keyes, uh, 32 disposals, including 29 pressure acts, Um Maka, he had um, only the one centre clearance. Uh, how many stoppage clearances did he have? He had seven clearances around stoppage. Um, he had five inside 50s. He had um, nine score involvements. Um, let's have a look. What else have we got here? Uh, 11 defensive half pressure acts. And this is the, this is the key thing with Benny is that his pressure acts don't always happen <clears throat> forward of the ball or in the middle. He had 11 defensive half pressure acts. Um, uh, his contested possession rate was 50%, so uh, for every two possessions, one was a contested possession. Um, <clears throat> so very good in that regard. His disposal efficiency was 65%, which uh, was about as good as you're going to get. How many clangers did he have? Had three clangers um, all in the second half. Uh, how many metres gained? 619 metres gained. You uh, you just can't argue with that. Whoops. Yeah, look, well, what I like about Keys is he's one of the few players that's, um, that's uh, prepared to run as hard backwards as he is, not backwards, but into defence as, in, uh, as he is forward. Um, he works both ways. That's exactly right. Four tackles, uh, including two inside 50. Um, turned it over four times. Uh, didn't get a huge amount of ball. 16 uncontested possessions outside. So just another gut-running workhorse display by Benny Keys. Um, and look, I'm sitting there watching Petraka and Oliver tonight and they're two of the gun midfielders in the, in the competition and I'd have both of them ahead of Benny Keys. But he's, in terms of his work rate and his effort and his second efforts, 
um, and his ability to impact the contest, um, he's edging his way up the list of midfielders in the competition, in my opinion. Oh, there's no doubt about that. He'd, he'd be very highly rated. Nikki, what do you reckon? You're very quiet tonight. Well, I was waiting for a gap <laughs> because I loved that the commentators actually called him the best effort player in the AFL, and I think that is absolutely spot on Yeah. Um, for him. He wills himself to um, contest. He's worked so hard on his endurance. He doesn't take any um, of his possessions for granted. Um, I think, you, you know, just the, the way he will just work and work and work. It's um, it, I think that's that's why we're winning games or we're in close in games as well. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, he's a key element to uh, to our play at the moment. Uh, there's no doubt um, that he's having a massive impact, Nicky. Um, and I think he's and he's young. Well, yeah, he's only what twenty five or whatever. Um, yeah. So um, yeah. Lots to like uh, from Benny. Let's move on. Rory Laird. Uh, Laird, he had 30 disposals. Um, what was his uh, kicking efficiency? Effective disposals his, were 24. His kicks weren't as low as um, they were last week. Contested possessions. He had 16 contested possessions, um, including... Uh, uh, so he went at about 51% contested possession rate in terms of every second possession was one um, <clears throat> that was contested. He had nine defensive half pressure acts and in total uh, 24 pressure acts. So another really good game in close in the cold face from Laddie. Um, and really picked it up after half time too. You can see his contested possessions was only up around um, five at half time. And ended up with 16. So he really picked it up at the cold face after half time, which was good to see. Um, what else? Did he have any inside 50s? He had three inside 50s. How many score involvements did he have? He had seven score involvements, um, including uh, one score launch. Um, so yeah, uh, ground ball gets. Had nine ground ball gets and uh, none inside 50. So he certainly stayed out of. The uh, the arc, uh, all of his work was really through the middle of the ground, and I thought he had another great game. Well, I totally agree with you. Um, and it, you know, I think when you're looking at best player, you know, again, yeah, he comes into contention. He's one of those you you say, is it him or is it somebody else? <laughs> well, of course you're saying if it's him or if it's somebody else. If it's not him, it's got to be somebody else. Well, no, you, what I'm, have you been that, drinking I, I tonight? Actually, what I'm saying, I, don't, I don't have him in my best players. <laughs> oh, no, he's got to be in the best player. Oh, let's not debate no. that now. Let's <laughs> stay on track, you it's, two. No, but I was going to say that he had such a good, that's such a good impact, um, but the way our performance was overall, I'm not sure whether it was as instrumental in the win. As others. Well, yeah. we're just talking about individuals at the moment. So let's just focus yeah. on his performance. All right. And now let's move on to Matt Crouch because you blokes are hopeless. Um, <laughs> oh, jeez. 25 disposals. Um, 
which was uh, not bad by Cratchy's. Uh, only eight ground ball gets, uh, only uh, seven contested possessions, which is a surprise. Um, his clearance work uh, was low, only one clearance. Uh, stoppage clearance, uh, none. So it was all uh, was all peripheral from Matty. Now, I didn't think Matt had too bad a game in terms of his ball use. Uh, I felt like he was moving the ball forward a little bit more than he has been, but um, those stats those stats are a bit revealing in my opinion. Well, he's, you know he's not the player he used to be, um, but um, I, I think you're right. I think he uh, moved the ball forward uh, a lot better than he has in the past. I, I didn't think he played a bad game. I mean, it was not a brilliant game, but it was like. As I said, everybody played their part. I think he played his part as well. Look at the kick to handball, and though. Seven kicks, 18 handballs. That, that is a, yeah. Well, look, if he gives it, if he's handballing it to Dawson, I'm happy because um, at least it's going to be a better kick. So look, it depends what the handballs were, but um, sometimes they're very frivolous handballs as well, unfortunately. Yeah. People I, I in the chat to, saying I have that he's. Say. Go on then. Yeah, the, yeah, they're saying that um, he was taking McRae. Um, I was very, very pleased in that last minute uh, when we were trying to run down the clock that somebody kicked it to Matt Crouch. It's like, perfect player to give it to. Absolutely perfect. But I, th- I think you, you're spot on, Fiend, that, yes, those kind of stats are a little bit down. But it also was, um, I think I did see a lot more forward movement from him and also a lot quicker than what we, what is the normal Matt Crouch. He, he looked a little bit more intent on getting the ball moving and getting the ball moving forward. Um, but yeah. also, if he if he was tagging McRae, I didn't actually pick that up, but somebody must have been because he did. McRae was uh, everywhere in the first quarter and just gradually dropping dropping out of the game as it went on. So. Um, as a, as a team, we kept him quiet. If it was Crouch that did it, well, well done by him. Yeah, 17 pressure acts is good. Um, eight in the back half, so he was working himself back, which is great. Um, yeah, look, um, I still think that Matt's building. I think he's still getting the pace, and I think he's still getting fitness into his legs. Um, I still think he works well as our coalface player, although the stats don't seem to evidence that that's the role he was playing this week. Um, or if he was, then uh, he wasn't playing that particular role effectively. But uh, I'm happy to keep him going at this stage. Yep. Um, speaking of keeping going, we had Sammy Berry, obviously, um, in the team this week again. And... I just feel like he's growing into the role a bit. Uh, what do he have in terms of disposals? He had zero um, disposals. That's not right. What are you talking about? It's about 18. Yeah, I don't know what my little graph's doing here, but uh, <laughs> it's a bit silly. Anyway. Uh No, oh, I know what it's doing. One moment, please. 
it's not picking it up. Anyway, he had uh, 15 disposals. Um, anyway, um, he had eight handballs and he had uh, seven kicks. So not too bad. His um, workaround stoppage, he had, um, what's that, only two clearances. Um, both of them, well, one at stoppage and one in centre. His uh, ground ball gets um, stat was five. Test and possession ratio about 41%, so every second possession or so was contested. Um I was content with Sam's game. I thought he did a couple of good things. I think he's still getting the pace and the rotation of the midfield. Um, but uh, the thing that the thing that you get with Barry that you didn't get with Sloan is that he powers through congestion, whereas Sloan doesn't. He's got such a strong core, Sam Barry, that he just doesn't seem to get held up. Or yeah. when they, or when he gets tackled, the ball isn't dropped out, or the loose. He's they can't bring him to ground. He he's so strong that it, you know that. Well, that's and what that's I'm saying. Often, he's got the core. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it and it was so good to see. There were there were a couple of times I saw that happening, and you could see the Bulldogs players around it because that's normally what they do is they get that player to ground, and of course, as soon as you do that, oh, you want to get rid of it so you don't get a holding the ball, but. If he's standing up, they they can't do it, and they can't get that breakaway and that outside run that they like to do. Mm. Yeah, I, look, I think um, they're doing the right thing. Uh, that's uh, two games now that Perry's played in the mids and hasn't uh, disgraced himself by any means. And I think um, the more opportunity he's given, I think he will just improve as the year goes on, and he'll get more of the ball as the year goes on. Agreed. Now, who do we want to look at next? Uh, what do we think about Jackson Hately? While I bring him up, what were your thoughts on Hately, Macca? Yeah. Um, look, he wasn't a star and he wasn't bad. He played, um, I thought, uh, a useful game. I can't remember his stats. I think it was about 15 possessions, I think, something like that. Something like that. Um, there were a couple that he earned that were very good because they were, they were hard possessions. Um, I think he's got to get another couple of games just to see what he's really, you know, can he do it? As somebody says he was serviceable, yeah, and I think that's a very good way to describe his game. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I would give him a game again next week. And, uh, you know, it, it was a tough game to play in, uh, to come into. And I thought, you know, he wasn't disgraced. And uh, uh, I'd give him, like, at least another couple and see what he's got. Nick? I mean, my... My issue with Haley is that he's a very, very good SANFL player and he hasn't seemed to be an AFL player because um, he often panics with his kick or he didn't seem to have the time. But I actually thought he looked quite composed with his disposals. Um, and and he got – and you're right, those couple of those really nice little hardball gets and the pressure he was putting on. So for me it was uh, – he did his job. He wasn't outstanding, but he did his job. Yep, agreed, Nicky. Yep, I agree with that too. I don't think um, 
I don't think there's any value in having um, Jackson in for like one game and then pissing him off again. I felt like he started quite well, um, and probably he looked like he got knocked up a little bit. It looked like I don't know whether he had a couple of injuries or like you know, he, the, like a couple of knocks during the course of the game. He got one bad hit during the game. Yeah, and that seemed to mess him up a little bit. Um, but look, he had 13 disposals. Um, he had five contested possessions. Uh, ground ball gets stats. He had five ground ball gets. Um, around stoppage, he only had the one clearance. Um, so, like, it was quiet. Um, and if you have a look at his disposal count, a lot of it was uh, like he had, what, nine possessions up to half time, ended up with 13. So he certainly failed out, faded out in the second half. Um, so yeah, look, there's. I think he deserves, um, you know, the opportunity to um, to consolidate in that position because if we can get him running, um, he's a handy size. He's a very handy size to have. He is that, and uh, you know, you just won't know unless you give him a couple more games. Um, and just so continuity, so he can actually feel a little bit confident about being in the side. If you said to him straight up, yeah, you've got the next two games for sure. Um, at least you, you know, you, mentally, you're not under under pressure. Thing, I don't, I don't want to get. I, I agree with that. I agree with that, Maka. Um, uh, I think you need to give a kid a run, um, a blocker, get almost a black guaranteed block of games. Um, yep. You know, a couple to get the pace a couple to have some impact, and then, you know, maybe a rest. Uh, Lukey Peddler did all right in the twos on the weekend. I think he had 26 touches in the twos. So, you know, Luke gets a, a bit of a block of time in the twos, and maybe it might be time to give him a, a swap over or, you know, give Barry a rest or bring Harry back in or whatever. So, I mean, I don't think it's a bad position to be in, and I think Jackson deserves a good run at it um, to see what he can do. Um but uh, certainly after halftime, uh, you can see there his stats after halftime um, really sort of fell away. Um, you know, in terms of metres gained, 218 metres gained, not too bad for a midfielder. Um, only had the one rebound, 50. Um, how many score involvements did he have? He had four score involvements. So, um, you know, he did get involved a little bit. His tackles numbers were low uh, in two, so... You know, um, but then again, his time on ground, he was only on ground for 64% of the time as well. So um, eased into it, I think. Maybe, hopefully, he can get through whatever niggles he's got uh, that he's picked up as a consequence of those hits. Um, You know, uh, and otherwise, uh, he might have to have a rest. Um, Ned McHenry. Talk to me about Ned McHenry. Well, <laughs> he, look, he, he plays as an annoying little pest, um, but he will contest everything. And uh, I've actually warmed to him. Um, I used to just call him an irritating to land before. But, um, look, I, I really do like McHenry now. I, I like uh, what he does. I mean, he... He's so he is so courageous. He'll take anybody anybody on any size, and and even if they're going to steamroll him, he doesn't he doesn't give one inch. No, I think I think he's got so much courage, 
And uh, as I said, I know that last week he had 35 pressure acts and I wouldn't mind betting it that he had another heap of them again this week that they don't go in there as stats, but they overall do help the side. So um, I, I, I like him. I really do like him. 12 disposals, 17 pressure acts, um, Mac. Um, in the defensive half, he had three pressure acts, um, three uh, forward 50 ground ball gets. In total, he had five ground ball gets. Um, a contested possession rate of about 41, so 40% of his disposals were collected um, in contested situations. Um, you know, he didn't lose a, 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 a contested... Uh, situation uh, two shots on goal unfortunately uh, was a little bit off on those um, but his score involvements let me just have a look here uh, six score involvements is very good I just there's one like I'm actually going to do a um, an analysis of um, poor old Ned's for and against freeze Cause I don't know about <laughs> you I don't know about oh, you I hate him they hate his guts, and it's been evident since the moment he set foot on an AFL field. How can a player that goes in so hard not a, not draw any... He had no freeze four and three against on the weekend again, and I, I just don't... I can't work it out. Well, he had his head nearly ripped off a couple of times and got nothing for it. Yep. No, he doesn't have a head. According to the umpires, he has no head, he has no back. Um... Yeah, it's just criminal, uh, and it's a re- it stands out to me. Um, it's just criminal. Uh, I don't understand why uh, he doesn't attract more uh, free kicks from the ups. Anyway, let's have a look at our defence, and uh, Tom Diday will start with. Um, it, to me, it it was uh, back to the Diday of old, as far as I'm concerned, with Tommy Diday. One of his best games for a very long time, I think, uh, Fane. Did you guys are effusive tonight. Um, Nikki, what do you think? Well, these short answers are really going well. Oh, okay. I've been talking longer. Well, I wish you would. Okay. Well, well, he really was back to his very best. I mean, the number of times that if he didn't uh, take an intercept mark, um, I would... I don't know the number of intercepts uh, spoiled, but he certainly spoiled it a hell of a lot as well. And, uh, yeah, he was getting up high off the ground as well, so I'd say that he's uh, got back to 100% fitness because uh, I thought that, that was his best game for a, a pretty long t- uh, time, both in intercept marking and also spoiling uh, the opposition. Yeah, so so la- last week you could see that he was, you know, his timing was back but he was still going to ground a little bit, um, whereas this week it was absolutely spot on. It was like, like back to the, the due day of old. I mean, he had that beautiful timing. He was, And what I've always liked about him whilst he is that player who can come off and do the intercept marks, he's also very good defensively. Um, and he was, He's been a little bit rubbery over the last month. Yeah, he has been, but this was a really – I actually kind of felt that – this was like a big step forward. Um, so I just like the way that he and Frampton and, and Butts were working together um, down there. And, and the interestingly, you know, the Dawson was quiet, but we were getting so much run out of Jude and, and and the others. 
Yeah, yeah, so I had. Sorry, go on, mate. I wouldn't say the doors were absolutely quiet, but um, it was quiet for him. Well, we're talking him, about D Day at the moment. But, um, I think that uh, one of the reasons, uh, though, is that Duday hasn't been mopping up as well as he did this week. I thought he mopped up very well. As I said, that uh, um, so many times when it looked like they were going to take a mark, he'd come over the top and either mark it or punch it either towards our players or out of bounds if necessary. No, yeah. He played well. Yeah. Well, they've got a stat on the AFL website, score launches, which is where the first possession in a scoring chain, uh, who that's attributed to, and he's got three of those. Um, score involvements, uh, he's got four score involvements all in the second half. So, um, you know, not, a, not only was he a rock down back defensively, but he was also... Uh, contributing to our ability to actually launch some uh, uh, some scoring uh, forays. Uh, eight defensive half pref- um, pressure acts was very good. Uh, so I just I I like old reliable Tom Diday, and I felt like we got old reliable Tom Diday back again, which was really good to see. Um, the bloke that we everyone's waiting for, I think, is. Um, Mr. Frampton. Oh, yes. Well, well, for me, uh, very simply, I'll put it this way. I think this game was the day that Billy Frampton came of age as an AFL player. Um, You know, he has given us glimpses of it before. He's given us sometimes a good glimpse at it. But this was a complete game. And I thought that there wasn't anything wrong with Billy's game in any respect. I just thought that he... Marked at the right time, he sport at the right time, he mopped up at the right time, and his disposal was excellent. So, uh, Billy Frampton, look, um, this is in, this is actually in a, a quality game as well. You're playing against the Bulldogs. You're not playing against Gold Coast or anything like that. You're playing a good team. So, um, I, I just thought Frampton was a – he gave uh, but every uh, bit of help that you would that a fullback would want, and I thought – a terrific game by Frampton. Nikki? Oh, it, <laughs> it was such a good game for him. I mean, there were, there were still moments where he was kind of get that little bit out-muscled and, and things like that, but they were happening when it was um, like up on the wing. Um, it wasn't happening um, when it was directly in their forward line. I do think it was – it just seemed – there seemed to be confidence between our back line working together and it – like they were – they knew when to come off, which one was coming off to, to be that intercept. And I have liked – I mean, Butts has always been one that's tended to play in front um, of his player and that's kind of worked. And you could see that that seemed to click with – Billy and he worked that way in front of um, the Bulldogs forwards and they don't like that. They like to have the front position. I think that just kind of frustrated them and because we were getting some good pressure coming in um, on their kicks, that also helps our defenders as well. Yeah, he had uh, 26 disposals, uh, five defensive half um, pressure acts, um, he had he took four intercept marks, uh, intercept possessions, uh, ten intercept possessions, 
Um, and a lot of that was in the second half. Like he only had uh, he had two intercept possessions up until half time. Ended up with ten, um, which was just fantastic. Um, he had five spoils for the game, um, which is something that I actually really like. I think everyone kind of remembers the marks that he took down back, but he was also um, a lot more decisive defensively, yeah. aerially, which has been my biggest concern. Um, I still don't think uh, he's had his true test just yet. I think I'd, I want to see him up against a, um, you know, a really strong forward and see what he's got. Although, you know, he didn't uh, didn't do terribly last week against Richmond. No. So, look, I just was really impressed. And, um, Mac, uh, what you asked for is what we got because we got the combination of... Um, the proactive ball use, um, but also the the defensive aspect, which I was questioning last week. So you really got your wish um, with what Billy served up this week. Yep, no doubt about that. I mean, there's not much more that he could have actually done. I mean, not, I mean, no, as not said, at all. He, um, I, I just can't even think of any bad blues that he made. Um, I mean, because every player will make a bad blue during a game. Um even the very best do that, uh, but I can't even remember him doing that. So um, I just hope that he actually has a good look at it himself and says, yes, I am a good AFL player now and plays to it every week. Yeah. At 94.4% kicking efficiency he went at, if you don't mind. Oh, the ball's good in his hands. Yeah, no doubt and about that. And they're not... And they're not easy kicks. He's not taking little short ones or things no, like that. They're very, they're very attacking kicks. That's right. It's not the Jack. It's not the Jake Kelly um, um, style. Yeah. You know, hold, hold on to it for a month and then kick it backwards. Not that at all. Um, they're like you say. They're de- decisive. When he had eighteen kicks and uh, eight handballs. Uh, and 18 kicks at 94.4% disposal efficiency um, is good in anyone's books. But from your key defender, that's uh, elite. Uh, so when you put all his defensive work together with that ability that we'd already um, noted, um, he becomes a very valuable player in our system. Well, incredible. You know, when you just, I can't remember what we paid from a third round or something like that. Oh, I third don't even think it was round. that much. Yeah, it was nothing. It was peanuts, and um, yeah, you know, as I said last week, we've got a pick six, languishing, not doing much in the bees, and then we. This is the guy we've got for Thornton Saitley, and uh, he's uh, he's starting to really fire, and and it just goes to show players can come from everywhere. Yeah, uh, let's have a quick look at Chase Jones. I don't want to go through everyone, but we'll have a look at some key players, and we'll have a look at a couple up forward in a minute. I thought again, Chase. You know, I think it's going to take a while for Chase to become the composed player that we want him to be. Um, but like he did, he did a good job on Bailey. Um, what's his name? Bailey uh, Smith. Yeah. Bailey Smith. Um, after quarter time, Smith had like fourteen possessions at, at quarter time, and I think he only had about another ten for the game. So, uh, and if you look at uh, Chase's stats. Uh, Certainly, again, the work rate, like these stats are telling me that the work rate really lifted after half time. 
You know, it was a bit of a bottleneck up until sort of halfway through the second quarter. And then a lot of these boys, their stats really start jumping after that time. And Chase is um, no exception to that. Um, uh, so I guess that reflects how the game was, was run, I suppose. Yep. I actually, um, you know, Jones did his job. He did his job defensively. And actually, I thought his usage of the ball was a lot better too than it has been for some time. Yep, he uh, didn't burn it too much. Let's have a look at his uh, effective disposals. Uh, what am I doing here? Mess something up. Um... But he was one of those as well out of our back lines that were making their forward be really accountable because, um, you know, he would actually turn the ball over and was trying to get those um, nice quick passes out um, in the game day chat. And, uh, and of course, some people are actually making the same comment here. You know, it's his best game since he last played at Ballarat. And I think we figured out yeah, well, it's because, it feels like ta- because it feels like Tasmania. So he feels he feels completely at home there. Yeah. Yeah, well, when you have a look at his disposal, he had four disposals up to half, well, five disposals after half time, four were effective. And ended up with eighteen disposals, fourteen of them effective. Um, so that's a that's a big second half. That's a big yeah. second half for a back pocket who's playing a defensive role. Uh, pressure acts. He had twenty two pressure acts. Um, Seventeen of those in the defensive half, which you'd expect. Um, his contested pr- uh, possession rate was about thirty four percent. He didn't lose any defensive one on ones. Uh, did launch any scores? Had one score launch, um, two score involvements, both after half time. Um, his meters gained was about 337, which is excellent. And have a look at that last quarter when he pushed up the ground a little bit and he was playing a little bit higher. Ha- have a look at that meters gained. He gained, uh, what about two or just about 180 meters in the last 15 minutes of the game. I mean that 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 is uh, decisive in my opinion. Yeah, no, he certainly played his part, and he's. Um, I, I think as the season's gone on, and we've only had the the six games, but I think that if you drew a graph, I think you could say that he's got better each game. I think that is that your impression, Nikki? Yeah, I mean, we we actually he had a really nice run of games. I think last year um, as well, and we we were kind of thinking, well, you know, he is the replacement for Brown. Um, and we've really seen Brown starting to to drop off um, this year. He did very well against uh, Waitman, but I I really liked um, that game from Chase. But also what was so good um, was the fact that, you know, the coach is going, well, this player is getting off the chain. We can put him on him and he will shut him down for us. And that's what you want your defender to do, first and foremost. He certainly, he certainly has been doing that. And uh, to actually uh, put him on a player of uh, uh, Bailey Smith's quality and to actually do the job on that, on him, um, I mean, that's, that's really tops because um, Bailey Smith has been in huge form, absolutely huge form. So, and, he, and he's the player that um, has killed us previously. Yep, yeah, and the one thing that... Uh, um, he's got 
that the other defenders haven't got is real pace. Jones, Jones has got real pace. Yeah. You couldn't get two more average names, could you? Jones on Smith. Uh, but <laughs> um, but uh, actually, to, to Jones' credit, he did very well. Uh, let's have a look at uh, Shane McCannum. Uh, McCannum's an interesting one uh, because I think he's added a dimension to our forward line and whether he's... Um, sometimes he can be a little bit hard to watch um, because of his, um, I don't know, his desire to take mark of the century. But if you have a look at it, um, he had 12 disposals for the game, pretty evenly mixed... Um, through the course of the game, um, his, he took um, six marks. Five of those were inside 50, um, and four of them were in the second half. So, again, another another indicator that the work rate really lifted from a lot of these peripheral players in the second half of the game. He only had one um, mark inside 50 up until half time. Um, his. Uh, let's have a look. I had another. Stat here is pressure act so 10 pressure acts, um, one forward 50 ground ball get. Um, I just feel like, uh, where's the stat that I was looking at anyway? Uh, I just feel like he's adding a little bit of a dimension inside our forward 50, another point of difference, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. he, he is different. Um, he can be, he can actually put send you into delirium uh, of happiness with what he does, and at times you tell it to go out and then give him a kick up the backside. Uh, but he's got, he's got tricks, and he's, I mean, one of his courses took over for the, for the uh, big high leap. Um, but at ground level, he was very, very effective at ground level as well, um, and that's really what what he should be. And he is a quick player. He's got, he's got speed. And sometimes in uh, last year, I thought there were times he looked disinterested, uh, but he looks absolutely interested all game. And uh, since he didn't been in the side, he really looks like he wants to be there and wants to give 100%. Uh, whereas I thought at times last year, there were times when he didn't really look like that. So at the moment, I'm liking him. And only if he keeps playing in that manner. I I mean, the reason why I made the comment last week is about how I thought he was brought in to, um, you know, to match up against Richmond. It was to actually create that that change in the look of um, a forward line because we've got the two kind of more the leading marking tolls in in terms of um, Himmelberg and, and Walker. You've got Gallant who could do anything on the day and you're never quite sure what. And McAdam is very similar to that, but because he's that smaller size, um, but he plays tall. But what I really liked from his game on the weekend was a lot of his those leads um, that he was doing and the demanding, you will kick it to me. And just getting that separation from his defender um, was really nice to see. Well, it's interesting because the AFL.com site only had him as one mark on the lead, but I distinctly remember too. Yeah, there he were took two. one very early on in the first quarter and then he took one later on in the last. That's great. Uh, but it, the other thing about him too, 
when they had the camera right up on his face, he's got blazing eyes at the moment, in as if he looks. He, yeah, he looks he's in, engaged, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's he's engaged in the game, and yeah. whereas uh, that time last year, you, you almost probably see his eyelids just about shut. Yeah, wake wake up, Shane. Yeah, I agree with that, Macca. That's a good observation. Uh, Josh Rochelle, only the nine um, disposals at fifty five percent contested possession rate. Um, was quiet by his standards. I feel like, as as I mentioned to you the other day, I feel like um, teams are awake to him and uh, he's not going to get an easy run of it over the next uh, month or so, Josh. He's going to yeah, have well to work called. his way through that. Yeah, well called, because they, they, were, they really did pay a lot of attention to him right from the word go. He never got, as you say, any of those easy balls where they've... Uh, zoned off to try and get the ball themselves. They just, they just stuck with him all the time. And, uh, it, it, you know, every just about every position he got, he really earned. So, Had to work for uh, and, it, yep. yeah. Yeah. And as you say, that that's, I think, going to go be his lot because he's already showed he, he is a classy player. I mean, you don't kick five goals on the booth at his height and, uh, uh, and not be classy. And uh, so... You know, if you don't, if you pay him no attention, he will sneak away from you and he'll kick gold. But uh, yeah, I, I look, I thought he played reasonably well, given the fact that he had that much attention given to him. Yeah. Um, I mean that shot that uh, somebody said he kicked the winning point. Um, it actually, always looked like it was going to be a goal, and they had the last minute deviated into the post. But yeah, uh, that wind. Yeah, but uh, no, look, he, he'll be a good player for us long term. In fact, he'll be a star for us long term. Yeah, even though he only had those nine possessions, and yes, they gave him more of the attention, he never once dropped his head. He just still kept working. And when he did get the ball, he always made something of it or he kept engaged with the game around him. And I think that's what we've really liked from him. So this is probably his first game where they really sat on him. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens next week. Um, and I, I think it's just great for his development. Actually, yeah, seventeen. Very... Go ahead, Thane. No, go on, mate. I was just going to say I like the mix of smalls that we've got in our forward line at the moment. I mean, um, Rochelle is totally different to McHenry, who is totally different to McAdam. They've all got their virtues and they've all got their abilities, and they are all different, which means that. There is a variety of talent in the forward lines, not just to do it one way uh, that, um, and make them all dangerous, in my opinion. Well, you know, the, the worry, I yeah. guess, that we had um, was the worry that we had was the fact that they're a bit of a mosquito fleet because you can throw Lockie Murphy into that, um, that bucket as well, uh, Macca, in terms of the variety of smalls we've got. But they're all hard units. Uh, Chase Jones yep. is, a, yep. is a hard unit. McHenry is a hard unit. Um, Lockie Murphy is a hard unit. Um, you know, Shane uh, McAdam, you wouldn't call a hard unit, um, but, you know, he's been going all right defensively. Josh Rochelle, for a, for a kid, is already well-developed. Um, so, you know, I guess from the point of view of um, of a lack of height in certain areas, if they continue to play in those sorts of roles where they're, they're predominantly ball getters and, and stoppage monsters and, and crummers, then I guess, you know, it doesn't really matter as long as they don't get knocked off the ball. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but I think it's a very nice mix that we've got. 
But yeah, and that, so, and, and that, all got, oh, sorry, all got different capabilities. And that can actually make it hard for a defensive unit. Uh, because if one player isn't quite working, you, you know, how do you actually swap against them when they've got different looks, so to speak? Um, yeah, well, you can't, you know, you can't play uh, McAdam the way you play Rochelle, um, uh or McHenry. Uh, so each one's got, as I say, they've got their own individual assets. And, uh, and, Murphy, I actually like him on the ball when he has his little little uh, turns on the ball because he, he he does he's got speed he can break away and he brings it in very quickly. Yep. Uh, let's have a look at Elliot Himmelberg. Um, I get confused by people when they're assessing the game and they go, "Oh, you know, Berg was quiet, but we may as well give him one more sort of thing." You can't be the star every week, can you? You can't be the man every week. And it was the sort of game where the ball spent a lot of time on the ground, and when it was in the air, it was bloody fluky wind and all the rest of it. Um, And I felt like Elliot, even though he was beaten um, often aerially, I felt like what we saw was exactly what we need from Elliot, and that is contested work. And uh, I didn't feel like he slagged off at all. I felt like he contested all the way to the end. And, uh, you know, it wasn't his turn to kick a bag, uh, but I certainly felt like he uh, contributed. Well, I I think, put it this way, I think he had the right to throw his arms up at the umpires a number of times, but he didn't. Um, And you're, you're right, and that's what you want to see from a young player. If things not going your way, they don't drop their head. They still keep involved. They still contest. And that's what he was continuing to do. Um, I didn't have a problem with his game overall. And you're right. It wasn't a game for tall forwards. No, you know, theirs didn't, their, theirs didn't, you know, um, you, you look at their tall forwards that they have and the talent of those tall forwards. And, you know, I, I think we might have got actually a slightly better output out of ours. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but... Um, well, I would. Tex Murphy, was, uh, Tex, Tex Murphy, Tex yeah. Walker was uh, <laughs> yeah, far one. more, far more oh, sorry, yeah. instrumental than any of the other tall forwards on the ground. I'm oh, sorry, I thought you were comparing just Himmelberg, but uh, that, that's what Nicky said. Um, but... Um, I, I look, it wasn't a great game by Himmelberg, but I'm not going to uh, bash him for that because of the fact that I don't think it was the style of game um, because it was an arm wrestle. It, it isn't the type of game that favours uh, forwards at all, or you know the big forwards. And uh, uh, I can't think of any opportunity where he stuffed up uh, getting something that he should have got. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, and when you say it wasn't a great game by Himmelberg, that implies that it was a bad game. It wasn't a bad game by Himmelberg. It just wasn't his game. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a fair comment. That's, that's why contest- I look at it. He, he contested. He kept the ball in his area. He, he made his defender accountable. Uh, he brought the ball to ground. You know, did he kick goals? No, but others did in his place, and we won. Not a game for big fellas. Uh, that said, uh, then you talk about Tex Walker and you think this guy's just a revelation. 
16 disposals. 500 goals. Yeah, and 500 goals. A, a fantastic effort um, from from Tex. And, look, you know, it's interesting because I was looking at the Richmond game earlier and Tom Lynch is already on 400-and-something goals and he's and he's about 100 years younger than Tex. And you think, well, maybe Tex is underachieved. But it, it just goes to show how much time Tex lost with all those injuries, with his ACL yeah. and then his hip injuries yeah. and his foot injury and... All the rest of it, and for him to overcome that big slump in his career over the last, you know, probably three years, and then to come out like he has, um, you know, at the beginning of last year, and then also the beginning of this season, I did feel at the start of the game he looked a little sluggish for maybe the first time this year. He looked a little bit heavy legged, Macca. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. I didn't actually notice that. I, um, I didn't think, well, I can't think of an example where that happened, and I'm not saying it didn't happen. Um, I actually thought that Tex put in, uh, well, every time that he was anywhere near the ball, uh, I thought he was very creative. Very, you know, he, he made, sometimes he made something out of nothing. Mm. Um, but, uh, no, I, I thought, well, I thought he was outstanding, actually. In when you take the whole, his game as a package, uh I think no text and we don't win. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, 16 disposals, five shots of goal, obviously kicked the three, including the sealer. Um, and wasn't that just a sweet little kick off the boot, just coming... Oh, he kicked two, sorry. Uh, just coming off... No, he kicked three. What's my bloody... My thing <laughs> saying? Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, I'm stats today. No, never mind. Uh, three goals, um, including that beautiful little left or right fade at the end. Um, just uh, I can't speak highly enough about Tex at the moment, and I've been a critic at times in the past, but credit where it's due. Um, can't speak highly enough of him at the moment. He's just a credit to himself. I but think all... he is. And I, and I think what it is is that we've got a very young forward line, and he's the only senior player really there. And it shows that the leadership skills that he has is gelling, is helping to control that forward line. And and I think that's where we've seen those younger guys actually take that step up is because they've got him on field with them um, to, to help them out. But also he's, and, and then it, I think it also has just given him that boost as well, just in the way that he's playing. Yeah, uh, I think you can't argue with what you said there, Nicky. Um, he does control the forward line, and um, um, he, he well, if you think about it, he's really got uh, Himmelberg's to do the hard stuff up uh, at full forward and take the crunches and all the rest of it. Uh, Tex, actually, he's roaming quite a lot and covering quite a lot of ground and you, uh, and demanding the ball. And... Uh, after that, I mean, he's he is really dictating the forward line, and uh, and the smalls uh, are working in hand in hand with him. So um, I just can't speak enough highly of Tex. I mean, he had the the incident last year, which to some degree, I mean, it shouldn't have happened, but um, I, mean, I thought he was over crucified for it. Um, and I'm not trying to justify what he did, um, and to come back and uh, 
knowing that he was going to get booed and all that sort of stuff, and to come back as he did and play well right from the word go, and as if he'd never been out of the game, and didn't take any notice of the booze. I mean, the guy has got mental courage, in my opinion, and he, uh, well, he, I think he's an outstanding player, and, well, he's going to be sad when he when he finally does retire because I can't see a, a replacement of his standard coming up. Well, not at this stage. Um, you know, there's a perennial Darcy Fogarty, and uh, we all, you know, less said about that at the moment, the better, although Darcy had a good game. Um, on Saturday, uh, Riley Thilthorpe. Now, there hasn't been a hell of a lot from the club with regards to Riley. Um, he had a bit of a knee injury. They're hoping that it's minor, but I haven't seen any update. Have you guys heard anything? No, no I haven't seen anything no. come through. No, I haven't. Yeah, um, so. they, they said they're going to do scans on Monday. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty standard. Yeah. So, um, from what I heard from Van Berlo, I think it was... Um, not they're they're hopeful that it's not a, a major one, just maybe a little maybe a medial strain or something like that. So uh fingers crossed. But you'd imagine that, that, that Riley's the heir apparent and you know, if we hang on to Elliot and we've still got Darcy in the wings and uh Lockie Gallant and uh, it'll be a very interesting forward line with Shane McAdam there as well. Um, you know, there's the the small chance that Fisher McAsee might uh, end up up forward as well. Who knows? We've got options, but they've all got to hit their ceilings for them to be uh, to be good. Well, Phil Thorpe, of course, has um, got he's got enormous talent, and he's obviously had a bit of a mental problem in the sense of doubting himself. Um, he didn't when he first came in, and I don't know why he's got it at the moment. Uh, but um, you don't know what goes on in their private lives or whatever. Um, but uh, I think long term he he's going to be the key forward. Uh, well, I think so, absolutely. But um, you know that's going to take some time. I think. Oh uh, yeah, look, I can that, uh, maybe two three years. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's happening overnight. Um, he hasn't hit the competition. I mean, certainly he's had a small impact on the competition. He had a good debut, obviously, etc. But uh, in terms of being a bona fide. Um, uh, main man up forward. He's got a ways to go yet, um, but you'd expect that given his age. Um, Tex looks like he's got another twelve months in him. But as I said, I just saw him. He, he seemed to free free up a little bit, but early on he was a little bit heavy, um, uh, just heavy legged in my opinion. Um. Well, actually, I'll I'll, have, I'll, I'll probably be watching the game again, Fee, and I'll tell you next week that I agree with you. Yep. All right, that's uh, about all uh, in terms of looking at the individual stats. I think we've done it to death. Um, so uh, I guess it's just down to our five, four, three, two, one. Let me just bring up my little best and fairest thing here so that I can write down your write down your things. Um, all right. Let Nikki go first this time. <laughs> this is like last week. It was horrible. <laughs> All right, Nikki. Okay. Um, so I went with Keys. Yeah. Frampton. Yeah. Walker. Yeah. Dudes. And yeah. then Jones. Not bad at all, Nick. 
There's, and, and yet there's so many others you could put in there as well. Oh, 100%. It was a very even team effort. Yeah. I had I had Robin there for a while, but as we've been talking through things, I just got he kind of got bumped down. Yeah. Well, I wasn't that much different to you, uh, Nikki, but probably different order. I just, I gave Walker the, the five because I just thought that no Walker what? we can't win. That's my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a buzz. No, I, no tets, we don't win. Right. Um. Forward to, forward to Ben Keys, I thought he was uh, outstanding. Um, it's, no keys, you don't thing, win? No, the reason I didn't have him at five was the fact of his efficiency rating. Oh. Um, so, oh. Uh, with the ball, with his disposal. Oh. Uh, oh. No, hang on, I'm allowed to have my opinion. So. Yeah, I know, mate. <laughs> but it's fun. <laughs> so, Walker at five, Keys four, three yeah. to Frampton. Right, no, uh, no Billy, no win. Uh, he, he certainly gave uh, a very I mean, possibly could have lost without Frampton. Um, and Duday, I gave two to Duday because I thought it was an excellent support game that he played down there. Yeah. And I, yeah. I gave one to Led for uh, earning a lot of hard ball. Yep. Very good. I gave five to young Mr. Frampton. Um, 26 disposals as a key defender um, at a 94% efficiency rate plus all the aerial work that he did um i don't i just think that was almost the the perfect defender's game so he gets my five benny keys gets the four bruce laird gets the three uh tommy duday gets the two for mine uh because i think him and uh, billy worked very well in tandem um and chase jones gets my Last point uh, with honourables to um, to Tex and also to um, Lockie Murphy. I thought Lockie Murphy, who we didn't cover in the individual stats, uh, I oh, thought he had some really good, really good moments as well. Had a good impact. There you go. I will uh, sort out those numbers and we'll show them on uh, yeah. on Tuesday night. But it's interesting. We all watched the same game, and we had different players uh, for our best players. And it doesn't mean one is right and one is wrong. It's just the way we see it through our eyes. Yeah, but we basically had the 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 same half a dozen, basically. We did yeah. same half a dozen: Keys, Frampton, Walker, Diday, Jones, and Laird. Same half a dozen, yeah. and I think that's probably reasonable. There were there were good moments from a lot of other players. Um, uh, but I think, you know, the consensus is uh, pretty solid, I think. Uh, don't forget, if you want to uh, put your votes in for um, the viewers, Bess and Ferris, chuck your votes in the Crows chat channel so that I can see them. Otherwise, they get a bit lost. Um, so chuck them in there. That would be great. Thank you very much. Final words. Uh, we've got GWS next week. I wouldn't see any force changes. Um uh, Jack Hately obviously has uh, a couple of bumps and bruises to get over, um, but um, aside from that, uh, even the other lad that we didn't talk much about was Braden Cook, who I thought was looking more and more solid and um, yeah. composed every time he sets a, a foot on the park. I thought he was very, very good, Braden. Uh, he he is going to be a star of the future. I just love him, um, as you said. Uh, every time he goes out there, he's just looking more comfortable out there. 
Yeah. Um, last week, you know, in the dying moments and the hard moments of the game, I, I thought he performed well then. And um, I thought he did some very, very good things. He did, did a beautiful bulk in, uh, 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 you know, so sidestep and twist and all that sort of stuff, get around a player. Um, I, I just think he's got talent to burn, and I just think that he's going to be one of our star players in the, in the future that we're going to really rave about. Agreed. And, and, and very much getting noticed as well by commentators. Um, just for the little things that he's been doing. Yeah, well, he's got a little bit of poise and a little bit of cheek about him, you know, nice little step oh, yeah. and um, uh, looks, yeah. looks unhurried. Um, so, uh, you know, I, there's a lot to like. When you watch him play, there's a lot to like. And the fact that he's been playing behind the ball predominantly is um, quite good, uh, getting him a good view of the ball coming forward. And he hasn't really put a foot wrong. I haven't seen him do anything wrong defensively, uh, really, um, at this stage. Um, you know, and he's just working into his career nicely, I think. Uh, the same with Lockie Gallant, you know. Uh, had a few flies, uh, didn't have a huge impact on the game, but opposition know that if you... if He's one of those kids that if you let him go, he's just going to take a hanger on you. He's, just, it, like, he's already shown he can have an impact when uh, teams aren't paying attention. So, you know, when you've got Tex and Berg and McAdam and Gallant, all aerial threats to varying degrees in different ways, it becomes a very difficult forward line to match up on. And uh, I like the way Lockie Gallant's developing as well, and I, I hope they do persist with him as well and give him a nice block of games. Totally agree with that, Fane. Um, you know, it wasn't really his game this week uh, because, of, again, the way the game was played. and uh, But... I didn't think he did anything particularly wrong either. And um, he nearly took a couple of real big hangers. And uh, uh, and he is, look, he's not bright. He gives 100%. I just think that he's a player of the future. And uh, uh, I don't know that he'll ever be the number one guy up forward, but he's going to be a very, very handy number two guy. Very good. Well, let's finish off, Nikki, um, with um, your cockwumble, shall we? <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> um, have you, so have you got I any really... nominees? Have you put any work into it this week? That's what I want to know. Well, there was really only for me there was an outstanding one, uh, but there are some some kind of fun little ones which have come out of the chat because Seas Girl really wants to uh, nominate Revolt um, from tonight, who, who was having a go, who, like absolute push in the back on a Melbourne player. He's dived forward. And so Revolt immediately has turned to the upper going, he's dived, he's dived. Um, and she would like him to be uh, nominated very much for because he does it every single week. And my comment is that was like, he actually knows what a dive looks like because he does do it every single week. So, yeah, fair, fair point there. I'd like to give a, a nomination to Crum Chad in the, in the chat for trying to get everyone to say go Crum. I fucking hate that word. So Same. I won't be Stupid. saying it. Piss off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a Krojic um, thing and they can have it. <laughs> yeah. And for, for me, I think the outstanding one is whichever Scott is in charge of the umpiring. I mean. Oh, now you're talking, Nikki. Oh, um, absolute I, I, Well, my nomination is actually is Brad Scott uh, for that ridiculous <laughs> speech that he gave. I mean, oh. seriously, what he was talking about. about it was almost uh, petulant, you know. 
It was. Bloody, it was. And I loved, who was it? Was it bloody the front bar that <laughs> they yeah. played his speech and then they replayed all his bloody gesturing and hand-waving in his coaching career. It was bloody hilarious because <laughs> he's like, it shouldn't be that it shouldn't be that hard to, you know, not not uh, argue with the umpires. And then you see him flapping his wings for five minutes in the bloody North Melbourne coaches box. It was fucking hilarious. No, hundred percent. I just think he qualifies perfectly for the cockwomble. Yeah, I, I think he was just the outstanding one, and particularly as well, I thought it was quite funny. It was that when you brought in a rule such as this and universally across the board, you have every ex player completely and utterly disagreeing with it, including Dave. Um, just think it's utterly ridiculous. And then you also get a number of umpires that just kind of go, I really don't want to pay it. And they're not paying it. And, you know, he, he flat out came and said, you know, they've all been told they need to get it. Uh, they're all going to pay it this week. There's going to be absolutely no dissent whatsoever. And that didn't happen. I so tell you what, I, know, hope you're, I hope you're watching chat, Nikki, because there's some good nominations here. Eddie Maguire for for oh, saying yeah. that Tex, uh, uh, when it Tex, uh, Trent Cotchin with murderous intent, well, I would too yeah. if someone was trying to blow up my knee with their bloody sprigs. So up your ass yeah. on that one. Caro um, basically lying about uh, approaching the club um, and uh, Tim Silver's basically flat out refuting that she'd actually uh, um, uh, called the club. And Caro and McClure in general just trying to blow up the Crows again with this, with this stuff about Tex and being completely ignored by everyone because they're the only two people that got a bloody be in their bonnet about Tex Walker and everyone else thinks that he was justified in saying what he said. There's a fair bit going on here, Nick. Yeah. Well, no, that's that's very interesting, that one with Cara and McClure, because what did those two have to do to the Crows? Oh, that's right. Pay us money. They got proven that They didn't have to pay us were, money. Well, didn't they have to? They had to pay the lawyers. Um, no, it wasn't our law. Well, we had nothing to do with it, Nick. Um, it was collective minds. Yeah, it was collective mind. Uh, but they were shown to be incorrect in their reporting. And I think that's – so they've they've got their bee in the bonnet. They're still trying to come after us. Oh, 100%. Sam McClure and, will um, go to his grave. Will go to his grave been, trying to bag Tex Walker and the Crows. But what's been very interesting is every other journalist has gone, we're not touching that. Yeah, that's what I said. Everyone else is ignoring yeah. it because basically uh, it's nothing to see here. You know, in terms of Cochin, he actually was as lucky as hell. And everyone oh, knows it. Everyone knows incredibly. it. Incredibly. And it's only Wilson and McClure that want to uh, string Tex up. And she blatantly I mean, lied. Anyway, let's continue. Yeah. Cock wumbling. You got oh, a few. I, I think, the other nomination I'd like to yeah. put forward is Cody Waitman, yeah. who came out during the week and said there's a fine art to ducking, and then the only thing he did well with his head was get a falcon in the last quarter trying to mark, um, <laughs> and didn't and didn't get one bloody free. So good on you, Cody. How about bloody? How about That's telegraphing actually- that call a little bit more to the umpires, you idiot. That's actually a good one because the whole intent of this is somebody that says or has done something particularly stupid and makes us laugh. And you know what? As much as the the umpire descent and everything else is pissing us off, I I think I quite like that. Yeah, 
I'm, I'm, right. I'm glad they have multiple, multiple cockwombles. Cock <laughs> it's just a, it's just a cockwomble fest. It's an orgy of cockwombles tonight. Cockwombling numbnuts. <laughs> some of them were just numbnuts, some of them just cockwombles, but I reckon Cody Wayman, he was definitely a cockwombling numbnut yeah. right there. Now, look, Mick, you've had your hand up for a thousand years. Sorry, mate, I forgot, so I'll invite you in quickly to have a chat as we uh, round it off, mate. Come in, if you're still there. No, nah, he's not there. All right. Yeah. All right, here you yeah, go. Yeah. Here you go, Mick. Yeah, how are you going? G'day, Mick. Just like to say that that was a very good game played by all, but I think um, Billy Frampton has... Uh, Made me eat a lot more than just some words, I think. Sorry, Mick, what was that? I think Billy Frampton's made me uh, eat a lot more than just humble pie because, Jesus, that was one game and a half, wasn't it? Yeah, you're not wrong. But I think we're all in that situation. Uh, that uh, When Absolutely. he first got moved to down there, he looked rubbery and, and fairness to the guy. He never played there. Uh, and to be thrown at AFL level down back, well, that, that is a bit of a difficult situation. So, uh, um, yeah, we all have had, have had to eat uh, humble pie, mate, but uh, I don't feel bad about it because uh, there'll be more humble pie coming down than, than the track. I think what it has taught me is uh, maybe not be so quick to judge the younger players when they come in or, you know, players coming to a new position. That's the same as Hately. I think we've got to give him at least five games in a row before we can go judging him. It's a good call, Mick. Um, it's a good call, and I think we've all been guilty at times of jumping on or off blokes too quickly, and with the bigger lads, you know, sometimes uh, they need a little bit longer, and, you know, my love-hate affair with Elliot Himmelberg is well documented, and, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think the bottom line is we all want these lads to do well, and sometimes you can only call what you see in front of you, um, and... Uh, when it comes to our players, mate, if they, if every one of them make, everyone that I've bagged makes me uh, eat humble pie, I'll be quite happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I like, uh, guess a couple of other players I've noticed uh, that have come on. Um, you know, we've all said that the club wasted their pick on Chase Jones. Well, I'm starting to think that it wasn't a wasted pick. And um, then McHenry, why you want to do anything polished and. Uh, his stats aren't that high. It, it's amazing how many times you see him zipping into the corner screen on the TV and um, he might get a pressure act for it, but Jesus, they know he's there. Oh, absolutely. That, that's, I've seen a couple of pl- uh, blokes on various forums, uh, you know, say, oh, he's useless and all the rest of it. And I would love to get more output out of Ned. But I don't think you can underestimate uh, the impact of him hitting packs um, and and being that harasser has on the rest of both on, on the rest of our team and also on the opposition, and I just wish he'd get a fairer go from the umpires because he bloody deserves it. Oh, they hate him, don't they? They absolutely hate him. Yeah, you could see it from the, yeah. from his first game. I think he got free freeze against, and you could see it yeah. last year. I think it was last year, or the year before, whenever he debuted. Yeah, and straight up, it's like, oh, the umpires hate this kid. Straight up, yeah. They, they, Nicky got it right. He hasn't got a head. No, just don't. You know, just don't think he's got a head. You know, they they tear it off every game, and you know nothing happens. They jump on it, and no yeah. one seems to care. Yeah. Um. And the last person I'm going to talk about, Spinkies. Jesus, he just runs and runs and runs in defence. 
you know, going forward. Yeah, I know he missed, you know, he could have had one hell of a game if he kicked a couple of those goals, but no one can ever knock him for not giving it his all. Yeah. I, I have to agree with you. Um, when you say about the headless chook, I thought, I thought he was a bit of a wonder. And I used to give him a bit of a hard time when he first started playing because he was more interested in um, irritating players rather than getting the ball. But um, he now that he focused his, his role on harassing the player with the ball or getting the ball um, uh, or, get, or bringing it to at least a break-even situation... Um, a team is made up of many parts, and they can't all be the same. And I think he played his role very well. Yeah, I agree on that one, Mac. I don't think he's ever going to be one that kind of averages 20, 25 disposals, and he mightn't even get all that many pressure acts. But they, the thing is he makes the, the opposition kick quicker than they'd like to or handball quicker than they'd like to because they can see him streaming in from the corner of the eye. But they can't see him. They know he's close. And it just stuffs up their disposal. And um, I think that's a, a big benefit to the team, really. Yeah, and, you know, it, nothing is more irritating when the ball's in your forward line and you're watching one forward just lagging off and doing nothing when they could be really oh. getting involved in the situation. And uh, I don't think... We don't ever... seem to have that at the moment, I don't think. I think no. every single... Or even, like I'm, I mightn't have said, but I'm not a real McAdam fan. Well, it wasn't last year. He's just like a, you know, you might as well have a traffic cone out in the in the forward line. But even him this year is actually, you know, showing a bit more interest. Actually, I think we're all in the same boat, mate. I, he he deserves a criticism for last year. But as I said, if you looked at him this year, his eyes are blazing when he's playing. He he's out there for for Keats at the moment. I think he, I think he not realizes that yeah, why he got a contract. Don't think that's. Uh, I don't think it's a given that you're going to stay because um, I think he might have got a bit of a rocket over the preseason. Oh, no doubt yeah. about it, mate. Very good, mate. Nice to have oh, you on board as usual. Well, thank you. Right, good on you. you. Yeah, good call, Mick. And I reckon that's a pretty good call to wrap it up. So, look, thanks everyone who's joined us uh, in spite of the. Uh, uh, the footy being on tonight, uh, and with the Formula One starting up soon, if it hasn't started up already, um, look so good uh, to have the support that we do have. Fantastic! So um, yeah, and thanks, Project, for coming on board and telling us stuff that we already know. Um, I'm not salty at all, mate. It's just it's your thing. It's not our thing. So uh, on your bike. Um, in the meantime, thanks for all your support. If you want to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. Um, otherwise, of course, you can get on Discord. If you're not on Discord already, uh, if you're watching us through YouTube or listening on Spreaker, get on board the Discord channel. It's fantastic during game day and during live shows, so um, don't be shy. Get around it. Until then, Mickey... Mickey. <laughs> Mickey, Mickey and Naka. Mickey and Naka. Uh, well, do you know what? That's actually a bit, that, that they're actually better names, Mickey and Naka. All right, Mickey and Naka, uh, thanks very much for joining us again. Uh, don't forget to join us on Tuesday night for Tuesday Night Live with Pete. Until then, take it easy, stay safe, and we'll see you later. Yeah, I'll Naka roll. Bye now. <laughs> Not all.